Alright, grab your Bible, hold them up. This is my Bible. God's Holy Word. I can be what it wants me to be. My mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I will not leave the same. Alright, Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12. If you've been in church any length of time, you think you know where I'm going, you don't. But Romans chapter number 12. We're actually going to be looking at verse number 3. Our summer series, Neighborhoods and Nations, getting out and letting people know about God, what He's done for us. But the truth of the matter is, is we all have expectations when it comes to church. We all have expectations. Oh, I, uh, I want to sing a certain song. I expect to sing a certain song. I expect to see my friends. Uh, I expect the preacher to be dynamic. Uh, whatever. We, but we all have certain expectations. And when those expectations aren't met, we are not really all that happy. Church needs to operate a certain way. There's certain things that, that need to happen. And I realize right now we're in the midst of a, a different time with uh, trying to be precautious and, and, but not paranoid. Uh, there's, there's a balance. And so we're doing things a little bit different right now, just trying to uh, be wise. There's certain expectations that we have. Can I be honest with you? God has expectations. God even has expectations. When the rich young ruler came to Jesus and and said, you know, what is the greatest commandment? God gives them an answer. And that's referred to in Scripture as the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And then the second is like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. This is the great commandment. That's an expectation that God has for the church. You say, how do you know that's for the church? Because the church is people. God expects that, listen, of everyone. It has nothing to do with saved or lost. God expects that from everyone. Later on, Matthew, Mark, Acts, we have the Great Commission. And we all know about that. That's an expectation that God has for His people, for the church. How do we accomplish God's expectations? Look at Romans chapter number 12, verse number 3. It says, For I say, through the grace given unto you to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one member, one of another. Let's pray. Lord, we come before you this morning, Lord. And we're thankful that you allowed us to come and gather and worship, Lord. Just pray that you'd meet with us this morning. Honor and glorify you. Speak to us. Help us to be able to ser- servants better fit for your service, Lord. We ask all these things, your name. Amen.
like I said, so many times we you thought you knew where I was going with verses one and two because that's you say Romans chapter twelve. Our instinct goes to verses one and two. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, perfect, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. <clears throat> Can I tell you? Okay, so then we get to the question, well, what's the will of God? Not to think of yourself more highly than you ought. Listen, we, we can't separate these. They're, they're one right after another. Will of God, be worried more about other people than worried about yourself. God's mission can't be done alone. God's mission cannot be done alone. It's impossible. It's it's impossible to do God's mission by yourself. For some reason, we we get this idea, and and, and it really has annoyed me for a long time. And I didn't really know how to quantify it. I probably don't even know how to quantify it now very well, but we get this idea that church membership is like a country club. Membership. I join and I get certain privileges. Or like Sam's Club. You join, you get a huge discount. I often wonder, do you really get that big of a discount because you got to pay the 75 bucks up front or whatever it is and then help? Probably some people do. You get certain benefits from it. Can I tell you, joining the church is not paying your dues to get benefits. I wonder how many people look at it. Well, you know, I've got to come to church on Sunday morning. I've got to pay my dues. I've got to put my tithe in the offering plate. I've got to pay my dues. I've got to come out and go... Tell people about Jesus. you got to pay my dues. No, you don't have to. Hopefully our, our first six months has taught us that that's not the Christian life. You don't have to pay your dues for nothing. You should want to do these things, but you don't have to do anything. <laughs> we're cut Next week. Well, this week actually. Saturday, 4th of July. Listen, we're Americans. You don't have to do anything. There's not a person or a force on this earth they can make us do something that we don't want to do. We're Americans. Truth of the matter is, is, is that could be true of any, of any country, but for some reason, and if we're not careful, we can end up like these countries. I, I was, uh, uh, the Coles uh, can testify to this, living in Germany for a while. What happens when you're in Germany and, and your license gets suspended or revoked and you drive a car? Do you, does anybody know what happens in Germany? No one knows. Because in a German's mind, your license has been suspended. You can't drive. It's impossible. It is not even in the realm of possibilities to drive without a license. See, as Americans, we don't understand that. Who cares about the stupid piece of plastic that may or may not be expired in my wallet? I'm driving. 
We're Americans. We can do what we want. No one can make us do something we don't want to do. Same can be said of Christians. God's not making you do something you don't want to do. But you should want to do it. We're a team. We're all on the same team. Have you ever thought about this? Okay, many, many, uh, one body, many members. You cut off your foot, what happens? You can still go somewhere without your foot. But your foot can't go anywhere. Maybe a little difficult, maybe a little awkward to wander around with only one foot, but you can still go somewhere without it. But that foot ain't going nowhere. truth of the matter is, is we just need to do what the head tells us to do. What does the Bible say? Who's the head of the church? Spoiler alert, it's not me. In case you were thinking, well, it's the pastor. It's not me. I'm not the head of the church. when it comes to the church membership. And again, I I, I really hate that. Because I don't care if your name's on a piece of paper or not. If you want to be a member of his church, whether or not you're a member, a name on a piece of paper, some physical entity that gathers at a certain location, building, you don't even remember his church. You got to do some things. And it's a promise to God. Being a member of his church is a promise to God with each other. That's what it is. First of all, it's a promise to worship. It's a promise to worship. Flip over to Psalms chapter number 67. Again, I don't know if your Bible has it. I know the vast majority of them has it, but it says to the chief musician. Again, we know that the vast majority of the Psalms were songs that they sang. This is a song. God, be merciful unto us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us, that thy way may be known upon the earth, thy saving health among the nations. Let the people praise thee, O God. Let all the people Praise thee, O let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For thou shalt judge thy people righteously and govern the nations. Let the people praise thee, O God, let all the people praise thee. Then shall the earth yield her increase, and God, even our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Truth of the matter is this is worship is the fuel for the mission. Worship is the fuel for the mission. Uh, mount up with wings as eagles, but you run and not be weary, walk and not faint. 
the last couple of weeks have made reference to something that Christian life can get tiresome sometimes, not that it needs to be. Because our the energy doesn't come from us, the energy comes from Him. If you're trying to live for God, this is Galatians, if you're trying to live for God in your own strength, you're going to fail miserably. And those expectations that you have aren't going to be God-given expectations. They're your expectations. And when your expectations aren't met and you're trying to serve God and do the things that God wants you to do in your own strength, you're going to get tired. And you're going to quit. You're going to quit coming to church. You're going to quit teaching Sunday school. You're going to quit go soul winning. You're going to quit giving of your time and your talents and your money. You're going to, you're going to quit coming to church. Because you're tired. Why? Because you're doing it in your own strength. And all along, God is over there saying, just give it to me. How many have you been in church any length of time? Pastors will say, well, give your burdens to the Lord, give your burdens to the Lord, give your burdens to the Lord. And if you're... Which one? Oh, Lord. Everything. Listen, there's so many times when we think that, that God wants you and we're thinking of, of all the things that we have to give up. We have to give up, you know, 10% of our income. We've got to give up uh, Sundays and you got to give up Wednesday nights. you got to give up soul many time and you got to give up a week once a year for missions conference and you got to give up all of this other stuff we're like why do we have to give all this up we forget that hey guess what else you, you get to give up you get to give up your worries and your cares and your anxieties and your stress and give everything to the Lord And I realize that it's, it's way, way better than this. But I don't know about you, but if you make $500 a week and you've got to give 50 bucks a week to the Lord, you have to give your 50 bucks to the Lord. Give 50 bucks to the Lord and you don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to worry about stress. You don't have to worry about anxiety. You don't have to worry about getting an ulcer. You don't have to worry about getting tired. You don't have, you don't have to worry about one single solitary thing, how many of you would obviously get 50 bucks? I mean, that just makes, again, it's your reasonable service. It's the only logical conclusion to just give everything to the Lord. Worship here at church is the fuel for the mission. Can I be honest with you? If you if you're coming and gathering for church and you're not more energized, you're not worshiping God. If coming to church is a drudgery, you're not doing it right. I'm just being honest with you. It it shouldn't those expectations of of whether or not they're going to sing my favorite song today, and if they don't, I'm going to be mad. The preacher better be dynamic, and he better keep my attention, or others are going to fall asleep, and it's not going to be a good day. You're doing it wrong. You're not worshiping God.
we're there in Romans. We were going to get to it eventually. I quoted it, verse number one, giving God all. You give God everything. We're talking, we talk about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Think about this. You give God everything. You Yes, that includes your time, your talents, your, your money. Yeah, okay, it includes that. But it also includes your anxieties and your worries and your stress and, and then all the things that you don't want. That you, you need to give those to God also. And what do you get back? The Holy Spirit. You give God everything. He says, okay, now you get now here's the Holy Spirit. Hey, what a deal. What a deal. Kendra uh, went shopping this week with Mrs. Cole looking for deals. I can't think of a better deal than that. Linda's always tells us about deals that box makes us. But we look for deals all the time. What better deal than you get rid of everything and you get God? I can't think of a better deal than that. get rid of our expectations and we get his expectations. Not only does the church membership a promise to each other to worship, it's a promise to each other to grow. It's a promise of each other to grow. 15% of people, admittedly, will admit about themselves. 15% of people, admittedly, say they grow listening to preaching. 15%. 85% say about themselves that they can tell that they're growing when they listen to the preaching and they go study it out for themselves. Okay, this is this is what the man of God said that the Bible says. Now I gotta go figure it out for myself, and hopefully <laughs> it should. That's the goal that they agree. Don't raise your hand. But how many of you go home and study what I say? Let's just be honest with you. How many of you could go home and say, okay, that's what the pastor... Listen, I know that I make statements that you've never heard before. I know it. Why? Because I grew up in an independent, fundamental Baptist church, and I make statements that I heard that, that I was like, they're not right. I'm just being honest with you. But are they biblical? Go home and say, pastor made a statement and it was... Go home, study it out. Figure it out for yourself just like I did. Listen, I'm no better than anybody else. Yeah, I may have more opportunities to study. Listen, God's the head of the church. And yes, I have more opportunities to study and research things. I have more time. Quote, unquote, it's my job. I, I understand that. But listen, my job is to lead the church, okay? Basically what I do, pretend it's the Bible, I realize it's not, 
I'm not saying that we can find doctrine in here. But this is what the Bible says. And I'm leading you. Now go home and figure it out for yourself. Make sure that, that I'm right. I think I'm right. I try to be right. I should be right. And I'm leading you to study things out for yourself. Being a member of God's church is a promise to grow. How many of you realized during the last few months that you can't be very Christ-like in isolation? I'm just being honest. Well, I'm, not, I'm not trying to necessarily make a point. Listen, this sermon was developed before we were in lockdown. God knew what was going on. But you can't be very Christ-like in isolation. Why? Going into all the world? A little more difficult, wasn't it? Hasn't it been? I realize we're starting to get out a little more, but I'm just being honest with you. Be kind one to another. Can't go visit Mrs. Mott in the hospital because everyone's parenting. Brother Bob can hardly go visit the one way. It's, it's hard being Christ-like in isolation. And yet how many Christians have put themselves, whether the government ever does or not, put themselves in isolation? I'm not going out into the world. I'm not going to go out and preach. I'm not going to go out and tell people about Jesus. I'm not going to go out and be nice to people. I'm going to, I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to eat my breakfast. I'm going to go to work. And I'm going to put my head down. And I'm not going to say two words to anybody. I'm going to go to lunch and stuff my face. And I'll go back to work. Then I'm going to go walk to my car and make sure I don't talk to anybody. Drive back to my home. I'm going to pull into my garage. I'm not even going to get out of my garage. I have an automatic garage door opener. And I'm going to pull in. I'm going to shut the door before I ever get out of my vehicle. I'm going to go into my house. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch TV. What? You're living in isolation. And you're not very Christ-like about it. I'm just being honest with you. And there's Christian after Christian after Christian. Got to be honest with you. There's preacher after preacher after preacher. Mr. Carey, go forgive me. This still, it still irritates me. I'm sorry. I should be better than this. When his, when his mom died. I'm just being honest with you. And I realize I'm off the platform. I realize this is my opinion. But when the pastor of her church would come visit her at, at the viewing, that irritates me. I'm just being honest with you. He's not very Christ-like. I realize it's my opinion. Listen. Don't live in ice. Well, you got two inches of snow on the ground. And I realize I'm from Michigan. And I realize I grew up in Canada. And I realize I went to Norway. I'm used to snow. But you got two inches of snow on the ground. Seriously? You're worried about that? And you're not going to go out and do what God wants you to do? I'm sorry. That's a question. But I'm just, just being honest with you. Be, you can't be Christ-like and be in isolation. There's a song. Can't reach a world you don't touch. And we don't, we don't talk to our friends, and we don't talk to our families, and we don't talk to our neighbors, and we don't talk to our co-workers. Listen, there's people around us every single day, and they're hurting, and they want help, and they're on their way to hell. And you've got the answer. You're living in isolation. Every member needs the whole body to grow. I think I told you the story when we were in Canada. These people were pushing a baby stroller through the mall. We go, oh, we gotta check out the new baby, you know. 
for whatever reason, it took us a little while to come figure them out. When we finally got to round the corner to look at the baby stroller, it was the most disturbing, probably one of the most disturbing sights I ever saw in my life. There in that baby stroller was one of those old school English buggy looking ones, by the way. So it was like, it was flat. This kid was laying, S-A-K. Had the head of a man and the body of a man. For some reason, there was some birth defect where the head grew, but the, the body never did. I don't know what all complications that entails. Obviously, it was a silly baby stroller, so it couldn't walk. Well, I'm saying that's not natural. That's not natural. Listen, every member of the body needs every other member to grow. How difficult would it be to walk if one of your feet was a size 15 and the other one was a size 2? How difficult would it be if you were six foot five but your head is hard of a baby? Or your heart grows. The heart couldn't keep up, it couldn't pump enough blood, couldn't get enough oxygen. Every member of the body is it has to grow for the other members of the body to be healthy. And if you're a member of God's church, it's a promise to one another that, hey, I'm growing in some area. I may not be growing quickly. I may not be growing a lot. But at least in one area, I am growing. I told you the... Uh, I'll give you the example in Jeremiah where he takes him to the river and says, okay guys, wherever you're at, take the next step. Listen, we're not all in the same place. The expectation that everybody is in the same place is not the right expectation. But the expectation that, hey, myself included, needs to take the next step. You're on the beach, go to your ankles. Yeah, your ankles go to your knees. Yeah, your knees go to your waist. Yeah, your waist go to your chest. Yeah, your chest go to your neck. You go to your, if you're out your neck, go out into the deep water. Where you got to tread water. Well, just take the next step. Listen, I don't, I don't expect someone that is standing on the beach to go throw them in the deep end. I don't. It's not the, that's not a godly expectation. But I do expect you to go up to your ankles. Mark chapter number 10. Mark chapter number 10, verse number 45. Not only is, is, is a promise to worship, a promise to grow, but it's a promise to serve. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Well, yeah, I preacher, I know that. But do we, do we understand it? Do we grasp it? Jesus was God. Is God, not just was God. Jesus is God. He came to, didn't come to be ministered unto, but came to minister. 
the king said, the first shall be last. The last shall be first. I think it was a few weeks ago we were talking and it, I reminded, it reminded me of something that I read a few years ago. The president of Home Depot said, listen, there's something you've got to realize about politics. Listen, he said it, not me. I'm just repeating it because I think it's good. The president of Home Depot says, something you got to realize about politics. It's not the best of people that go into politics. It's the worst of people. Listen, money, grubbing, power, hungry people, that's what they are. That's what politicians are. Now, is everyone in politics a politician? Probably not. Every once in a while, they're probably a statesman. But the vast majority of them, Republican, Democrat, Independent, Green, Libertarian, Communist, Socialist, whatever you want to call I don't care. You're on the same. You're a bunch of power. What? You want power. You want honor. You want people to look up to you. You want people to serve you. You want to It finally dropped this week, I saw it. It got close to 30 million people. I don't know that it ever reached it. 29.7, I think, is the last figure I saw. the highest figure I saw. 29.7% of the population of London. This past week, it was down to maximum. Final thrones. Yeah, we're coming back. Hey. Mr multi-million, billionaire politician dude. You want to help America? You want to help the economy? Don't take a paycheck. Save that money. Bro, we, we, we've, we've got to cut this and cut this and we got to cut that and cut this. And listen, there are plenty of things that government spending that need to be cut. But you want your million dollars, plural, paycheck that you pull in whether you're a federal employee or a state employee, governor, president, senator, I don't care what you are. You want to stimulate the You want to do what's best for your country? Instead of cutting spending on schools and on health care, why don't you not make a paycheck? Why don't you serve the people instead of making the people serve you? That's what God says. Being a member of Christ's church is a promise to serve. So here we are thinking we're better than God. Oh, we, we don't say that. Actions speak louder than words. God came to serve you. You think you're better than God because you won't serve people. whether we like to admit it or not, our actions speak louder than our words. Look at verse number 35. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, come unto him saying, Master, we, what would thou shouldest do for us whatsoever 
come unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou wouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. James and John demanded something of Jesus. Listen, Jesus. Don't you know who we are? Listen, the Zebedee was a big was a big name guy in Jewish culture. There's a reason why it, whenever it refers to James and John, it says the sons of Zebedee. Why? Because he was a big name guy. They had some clout. Listen, Jesus, you're <laughs> yeah, we're followers of you, but you are privileged that we're a follower. And we want something back. And Jesus said, hang on just a second. You're missing something. You're missing the point. I don't need you. You're on the side. God doesn't need you. Us? He doesn't need us. We need God. Be thankful that he saved your wretched soul. But now that you're saved, you think you're somebody? And I realize, eternally speaking, you're a child of God and act like it. I realize that. But you're a child of God, act like it. You're not a big wig. There's a difference between being a child of God and being a big wig. Why? Because God was a servant. But James and John said, God, we want a favor. We want a favor, God. How many times have we been like that? God, I, I want a favor. I followed you. I'm faithful to you. I give to you. I, all of those things. Lord, I want a favor. I want something in return finally. Cash in in my investment. God, I want something from you. But we forget what the Christian life is. It's not about what we want. It's about what God wants. Look at verse number 37. They said unto him, Grant us that we may sit one on the right hand and the other on the left hand in thy glory. They got it backwards. They wanted honor. They wanted honor. That's what they wanted. They wanted to be a bigwig. They wanted power. They wanted prestige. They wanted popularity. So Jesus tells them you do. Be careful what you wish for. You just might get it. But you, listen, you, un, you understand what you're asking for? Eventually, I'm going to be back on my throne. And I don't have any power over who gets to be on my right hand. My father does. But I'm not there right now. I'm not even there right now. So he goes on to the story about teaching them how to be servants. God, we deserve it. We can do it. And we realize that it's a powerful position. We realize that it might be a, a tough position. But Lord, we can do it. We, we've got it. We deserve it. We have the education. We have the pedigree. When we have the money. We have everything. We deserve it. Verse number 38. But Jesus said unto them, You know not what ye ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of? 
be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. You don't know what you're asking for. Listen, guys, you don't know what you're asking for. It hadn't clicked yet. Son of Man came to save the world. You really want in on this? You're not ready for it. What does that say? Old TV show? You want the truth, nothing but the truth. You can't handle the truth. You can't handle it. You're not ready for it. You don't know what you're asking for. Be a servant. Listen. Everybody in our flesh, you know, we want the big power position. It'd be nice to be the president of a Fortune 500 company. You don't know what you're asking. You want to you, 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 you want to be president of the United States. You don't want to go to bed till 2 o'clock in the morning and get up at 4 o'clock. Well, this goes on and on and on. Every single day, you don't know if that person walking towards you is there to kill you. Listen, there's not one person. <laughs> there's not one person you can trust. Every listen, everyone has their price. Everyone has their price. His, his own security detail. If the right person gets approached by the wrong person for the right amount of money, the president's dead. Guy, because everybody has their price. You can't trust anybody. You want that? Again, the list could go on. You don't know what you're asking for, God says. So he just says, just be a servant. Just be a servant. That's easy. Simple. Next, it's a promise to give. It's a promise to give. We're going to, in a couple weeks, we're going to dive into this in more detail in, in our series of God's game plan. It's a promise to give, and it's a heart. It's a heart thing. You don't give of your time because your, your heart's not in it. You don't give of your talents because your heart's not in it. You don't give of your money because your heart's not in it. It's a heart thing. You've heard it. I've said it. Someone else will say it. I'll say it again. Try it. Try it. See what happens. See what happens when you bake cookies for somebody and take it over to their house. See what happens to your stress and your problems and your worries. Try it. See what happens to your problems when you go out and you share the gospel with somebody. Try it. See what happens. See what happens when you give to God financially. Try it. You say, well, I do give on occasion. Okay, then do it consistently. Take the next step. Do it consistently. Why do you do it consistently? Well, then give 10%. See what happens. Listen, 
I, I, I don't expect. I'm not saying God can work a miracle. But listen, I don't expect someone that hasn't given a penny in their life to God to all of a sudden start giving 10% of their income. I don't. That's not the first step. By the way, giving 10% is not the last step either. Just take the next step. Give. Give consistently. Give a specific amount. And see what God does in your heart and your soul. Listen, every gift matters. Every gift matters. The story of the two mites. One penny. And I realize that you can say, well, you know, inflation and on and on and on and on. But let's just be honest. The penny isn't very much. I don't care what society you live in. It's just not. Because it, it was basically the equivalent of today of one penny, is what they're saying. It wasn't literally a penny. Think about that. For, I realize it's a bit of a rabbit trip, but think about that. That widow woman gave a, the equivalent of a penny, and God said, wait, wait just a second. Stop. If he could have, he would have paused time and looked at his disciples and said, did you see that? She gave a penny in the religion. A penny. Penny. Spent time, spent verses explaining to them why that was so important. Brother Mother was in charge of the money. And while he'll be thankful for anything that comes in. Penny. Second. Like, honestly, like I do very much. A penny. But when that penny is given to the Lord, a lot will come. Remember, we're all part of a membership. We're all together. We're all a promise together. It's a promise to give. It's a promise to give. God says, I don't care about the amount on the paper. I care about your heart. Ecclesiastes chapter number five. Ecclesiastes, chapter number 5. Verse number 10. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the owners thereof, seeing the beholding of them with their eyes? What are you going to do with all that money? What are you going to do with all that time? But listen, we are just coming out of government lockdowns. What did you do with all your time? Send from the TV, send from the iPad, play on play your phone. What do you do with all the time? You had, you had all the time in the world. What do you do with it? What do you do with it all? You have, you have, you have all the talents in the world. Set on your backside, not doing anything, you didn't do any good with it. 
I wish, I really wish I could remember the guy, but he was the first, I think he was the first billionaire back in the 50s or 60s or whatever. The first person to ever accumulate a billion dollars. Reporter asked him, well, how much money do you want? Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more. What are you, you going to do with all that? You're going to look at it, and it's not going to take you anywhere. You can't take it with you, right? We've all heard the story, you know, you're, you haul, so on and so forth. Luke chapter number 21. Luke chapter number 21. Verse number 1. And he looked up and saw the rich man casting their gifts into the treasury. Listen, that's not a bad thing. Not, listen, if you're rich, you better cast some money into the treasury. Nowhere in here, this story, does God condemn the rich people for throwing in their riches. It's not a bad thing. I don't want you to think that. Look at verse number two. And he saw also a certain poor woman casting hither two mites, and he said, Of the truth, I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast in more than they all, for all these have their abundance cast into the offerings of God. But she, her penury, hath cast, cast in all her living that she had. There's great spiritual blessing and power in sacrificial giving. Can I be honest with you? I just want to remind her about that penny. Someone, the other day, someone, he was harassing somebody, he gave us $500. We thank the Lord for it. The truth of the matter is, is if somebody gives out of their deep poverty a penny, and somebody gives out of their riches $500, God's going to do more with that penny. Does it make any sense? Great spiritual blessing and power. And the fact that you're not willing to cast in your pen. Well, I, I'm poor. Give your pen. I'm not rich like other people in church. Give your pen. Because God will do more with that pen than He will with your hundreds and thousands of dollars. It's a promise to each other in the membership of God to give. Only God knows whether it's sacrificial giving or not. Don't you dare pull a fast one because God knows. Pastor said only give a penny. If you can afford to give more than the penny, you better give more than the penny. You're saying. Because it's not going to work if it's not Sacrificial giving. God says, I will bless the church because someone, listen, I'm not going to bless the church 
because Brother Bobber dropped him a thousand dollar check. And I'm going to bless the church because Debbie dropped a five hundred dollar check. And I'm not going to bless the church because Brother Caribou drops in a five thousand dollar check. I'm going to bless the church because of one of these kids puts in a pen. That's what I'm going to bless the church. The issue is not the amount. The issue is I'm pursuing God. And I'm forgetting myself. I'm pursuing God. And I'm forgetting myself. The fifth thing. It's a promise to pray. It's a promise to pray. Philippians chapter number four. Philippians chapter number four. Verse number six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplications. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. Pray without ceasing. That's in Tim Timothy. Pray without ceasing. You say, how in the world do I pray without ceasing? Pick up your phone. Go ahead. Right now, pick up yourself. If you got your phone, pick it up. Look at it. Go to settings. How many apps do you have? How much time have you spent on each app? Look at your news feed. What's on your news feed? Look at your text messages. We say it all the time. Well, you know, so-and-so is always on their phone. They're not always on their phone. They're not always on their phone. And we hear, some people get irritated. Well, so-and-so, because they're, they're always on their phone. They're on and on and on. No, they're not always on their phone. Their phone's always close to them. Text message comes in, they look at it. Phone calls comes in, they answer it. Something uh, pops up in their head and they, they search it on the internet. Lunch break, they play a game. What? It's always there. So we say they're always on their phone. God says pray without ceasing. But always have the ability to pray. At a moment's notice, listen, Billy Sunday used to drive Ma Sunday nuts. She said, I, I didn't know if he was talking to me or he's talking to God. We'd be walking down the street, he'd ask me a question. I'd be in the middle of the answer. He'd start talking and he wasn't talking to me. He was talking to God. So I'd shut up. And then he'd keep talking and he looked at me and he says, why aren't you answering me? He was talking to me again. Listen, I can't. I realize, yes, that's, that's annoying. I realize that, humanly speaking. But I can't think of a better illustration of praying without ceasing than that. Always having the ability at a moment's notice to pray. Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4. Lastly, it's the promise of unity and sacrifice. Verse number one says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with all longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
There is one body and one spirit, even as ye are called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. It's promised to be in unity. Acts, they were all in one accord. They didn't all. It's, you heard me say it. I'm not going to harp on it. But they didn't agree on everything. Galatians, we looked at it. Peter and Paul didn't always get along. They rarely got along. There's a reason why one stayed in Jerusalem and the other one went to the world. Why? Because they couldn't. Humanly speaking, two very outspoken public figures like that, they don't work well together, so they got to go to opposite ends. But what? The Bible says they're all in one accord. Are we together? Honestly. You got issues with somebody at church because they're not meeting your expectations? Now, if they're not meeting God's expectations, then that's between them and God. And you can encourage them to meet God's expectations. But the truth of the matter is, is that's about it. You got issues with somebody because they don't meet your expectations. You're, you're not in unity. You're just not. When we're together, God will act. When we're all going the same direction. I've, I forget what... Oh, it was Mighty Ducks. That was, that's what it was. The movie, The Mighty Ducks, about the hockey team. Years ago, I don't know if anybody's remember seeing that, but they coach tied them all up with a rope. Did you all got to skate in one direction. When you're all going your own direction, you all fall. We all go in the same direction. I really hate that direction is making, helping people get saved, helping people that are hurting, helping people in the community, being nice to people. Okay, that's the direction we need to be going. And I realize that specifically there are things that each and every one of us do better. Listen, I can't cook. As much as I harp about going and taking cookies to somebody's, if I'm taking cookies to you, they're store-bought. I'm just being honest. If you ever get cookies from me, they're store-bought. Okay, well, I realize that we have different ta talents, but we're still going the same direction. If we're not in unity, God won't add. Share your faith. Reach out beyond yourself. You mad at somebody at church? Bake them a pie. What does Romans chapter 12 say? Present your body as a living sacrifice. Listen, God doesn't make mistakes. That was an intentional paradox. It's an intentional paradox. Spiritually, you don't sacrifice yourself physically. You say, I sacrifice yourself spiritually. We die to ourselves. We put to death the idea that I'm going to get things my way. It's true in any relationship. Husband, wife, employer, employee. 
teacher, student, whatever it might be. I'm not getting what I want. There's conflict. God says, die to yourself. Who cares if you get what you want? If he gets what he wants. Oh, I I want things my way. Listen, this isn't Burger King. You don't get it your way. I don't even know if Burger King still does that. I haven't heard that in a while from Burger King. But it's not. You're not getting it your way. Why? Because myself included, you're a sinner. Even your righteousness is as filthy rags. You don't want it your way. You don't know what you're asking for if you want it your way. Do it his way. That's the goal. The goal of being a church member. Christ living in me. He's the head. We just happen to be the visible, tangible things. Some of us are fingers, some some of us are toes, kneecaps. But he's the boss. It's not about you or me. Never was about you or me. If you're there, back to Romans chapter number 12. I want you to look at this and we'll be done. Again, I don't know how many times I've read or heard someone preach about this, but I've never heard this pointed out. It says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your what? We say, well, you need to present your body a living sacrifice. That's what preachers say. I've probably said it. Present your body. Is that what it says? Honestly, is that what it says? Or does it say bodies? Plural. Not singular. Plural. He's talking about the church. Listen, can I, can I, as much as you and I need to present our body a living sacrifice, and that's included in the bodies. Doesn't do very much good for this church that Brother Robert's doing what God wants them to do. And I'm not. If I'm not presenting my body a living sacrifice, it, his, his sacrifice is futile. His sacrifice is worthless, corporately speaking, as a church. So who good. He did it in vain. It's a plural sacrifice. 
I mean, I'm sorry, it's plural bodies, but it's singular sacrifice. Present your bodies. The sacrifice is singular. The participants 